I wanted to focus on the on the big problem, getting the entire industry, entire aviation industry over to zero emission. Welcome to Radio Davos, the podcast from the World Economic Forum that looks at the biggest challenges and how we might solve them. This week, zero emissions aviation. Is it possible to fly without exacerbating climate change? We hear from a company that just made the first test flight of a 20-seater plane running on green hydrogen. This is the largest engine, largest aircraft anybody has ever flown on hydrogen power. Completely zero emission. Engine builder Zero Avia says commercial airlines will be running small zero emissions passenger planes within a couple of years, and bigger planes and longer flights are in the pipeline, spurred by customer demand and government regulation. Airlines see that fast forward 5-10 years, you're going to have this type of regulation all over the place that really curbs your ability to grow and hurts your business. So they're now seeing the writing on the wall. Subscribe to Radio Davos wherever you get your podcasts or visit weft.ch slash podcasts. And don't miss our sister podcasts that you'll also find there. Meet the Leader, Gender Dialogues and the World Economic Forum Book Club podcast. I'm Robin Pomeroy at the World Economic Forum, and with this look at green hydrogen fueled zero emissions aviation... There are no scientific barriers, so we don't need new science in order to get there. This is Radio Davos. Aviation produces between 2 and 3% of the global man-made greenhouse gas emissions. And unlike cars, which can quite easily be made to run on electricity, which can be generated by zero emissions renewable energy, planes are still universally run on fossil fuels. There's lots of research happening on moving aviation towards net zero. You can find lots of information on the website of the World Economic Forum's Clean Skies for Tomorrow initiative. In this episode, we're looking at one potential alternative to jet fuel, hydrogen, which can be created using renewable energy. And one company last month successfully tested its hydrogen fuel cell engine on a 20-seater plane. The hydrogen was generated by renewable energy. To find out more, I spoke to the CEO of ZeroAvia, Val Miftakov. This is the largest engine, largest aircraft anybody has ever flown on hydrogen power. Completely zero emission. We make our own hydrogen for these flights uh, at our facility in the UK. Uh, So we showcase the ability to go fully zero emission uh, in aviation from the entire life cycle perspective, right? So using renewable power to create hydrogen and hydrogen used in aircraft produces just water vapor nothing else, no combustion artifacts, no CO2. Um, so it's a complete uh, abatement of the climate impact of aviation. Even if you count all the materials that go into creation of the electrolysis and all the engine components, you have 90-95% abatement of climate impact of aviation. And this was the first flight of the uh, commercial size engine and the commercial size aircraft. This is the engine size and the aircraft size that we're looking to uh, launch into commercial service by 2025. Tell us about this plane then, what it looks like, how big is it, were there any passengers on board? And also, I understand it's a two engine aircraft. Only one of them was hydrogen. Why was that? Correct. So this is a 20-seat aircraft uh, or 19-passenger 20-seat with a pilot, which is the uh, maximum size of aircraft in the what's called general aviation category or part uh, 23, uh, as they call it. 20 passengers and above is air transport category. We are uh, launching our systems first in the part 23 category. So that's the largest aircraft we could have flown in that category. We also wanted to fly a twin engine aircraft for the initial flight. For safety of flight, we want to have dissimilar engines. So we want to have one of our engines and one of the stock engines on the wings. That's by design. 
is if our engine, which is flown for the first time, cuts off for any reason, we still have the second engine to uh, safely continue the flight and finish the flight. As we get more familiar and more confident in our engine, uh, we are going to start flying 100% hydrogen configured aircraft. And who was on it? Was it just the pilot this time? Uh, it was a crew of two, our test pilot and the flight test engineer. We're not allowed to take passengers on these flights, but uh, we'll be able to expand the group of company employees who will be on these flights as, again, we get more experience with this uh, new size of the engine. Let's talk a bit about hydrogen then. We hear about it a lot as, as one of these kind of, you know, the miracle fuel of the future, etc. I mean, to, to make it green, though, depends on how it's created, how it's generated, and you're making your own. Could you explain to our listeners what is meant by green hydrogen, how it's made, and how come that is zero emission? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Uh, today, most of the hydrogen worldwide is made utilizing gray process or brown process. Everybody has these colors for hydrogen now. But uh, basically, it's a steam methane reforming. Natural gas gets blasted by hot steam and disassociates into carbon dioxide and hydrogen. Carbon dioxide gets emitted, so it's really not a good process for us. What we are focusing on is electrolytic production of hydrogen. So electrolysis takes electricity and water, splits water with electricity, and um, the results of that process are just oxygen that gets released to the atmosphere and hydrogen that we capture and we use. Yeah. So the emission content of hydrogen, of resulting hydrogen, depends entirely on the quality of electricity that comes in. So if your electricity comes in from the renewable source, like solar panels or wind or geothermal or hydropower, you have a 100% zero emission hydrogen coming in. And then when you use that hydrogen on board the aircraft, you also have zero emissions, no CO2. So the entire cycle is a zero emission cycle, but you have to do uh, renewable energy input. In more and more places in the world, it's quite easy to actually get that renewable input. So southwestern United States with solar, Norway, Pacific Northwest with hydro, UK with wind, some of the large areas of United States with wind power. So more and more, it becomes a really easy possibility. We as a company, we have quite a bit of partnerships and also in-house efforts to build up that network of uh, renewably produced hydrogen at the airports. And we already have over 10 airports as partners uh, to deploy that infrastructure and some of the large energy companies that work with us on this. So when will this become commercially viable? You said your target date is just in a couple of years. What kind of flights will those be? What kind of passengers will those be? What kind of destinations will those be? Yeah, so the uh, the initial launch, and we're engine manufacturers, right? We build engines and we bring also partners with the infrastructure to the target airports. So our engines can go into any aircraft of that particular size that they're designed for. Our launch platform is uh, going to be a 10 to 20 seat aircraft. Initially, we'll launch in one, but then quickly we'll follow with other aircraft. So we plan to cover the entire segment, starting with 2025 of 10 to 20 seat aircraft. There are about 10,000 aircrafts like that in commercial service. 
They tend to fly short routes, sub-regional island transfers. Uh, so, for example, uh, in Hawaii, there are a lot of aircraft like that flying commercial missions, passengers. Maldives, for example, there's about 150 aircraft like that. FedEx flies about 300 aircraft of that size for package deliveries into more remote locations. So there are pretty sizable fleets out there that uh, fly either passengers or cargo relatively short distances that work very well with our system with, with hydrogen fuel. So that's the initial launch point. And then two years after that, we're uh, launching our uh, larger engine that we already have done significant work on. And that goes into 50 to 90 seat aircraft that we're actually starting to um, demonstrate the capabilities of that size as early as this year. Commercial launch of that is 2027. And those are longer trips, still original, maybe 500, 700 miles, up to a thousand kilometers. So we see that traditional regional carriers taking up those types of vehicles and uh, transitioning their flight to zero emission. Where will this end up? Will eventually the biggest airliners be fueled by hydrogen? Is, is that possibility or are there technical barriers in the way to that? No, it's definitely a possibility. When I started the company and we started looking at the technology basis for conversion of the entire industry to zero emission, we picked hydrogen and specifically hydrogen electric, right? Hydrogen fuel cell based, because there are no physical reasons, physics or chemistry, right? Science reasons that the largest aircraft cannot be transitioned to that, right? So we can do it. Hydrogen is a very light fuel. Uh, so it's actually on the per mass basis, per kilogram of fuel, uh, it contains three times more energy than jet fuel. Right, so uh, your fuel system can be made lighter than the current systems that fly the aircraft. So uh, it is actually better fuel for aviation than kerosene even. And then with fuel cell based propulsion, you can use that fuel up to two times more efficiently because you don't combust, um, so your efficiency is higher. Uh, so it becomes even better and with zero emission, right? So fundamentally, hydrogen electric approach is much better than kerosene-based approach. We just need to do the required amount of engineering to get to that level of power, but there are no scientific barriers. So we don't need new science in order to get there. We need to constantly improve the systems and increase the temperature and pressure in the fuel cell chambers, cores of our system, uh, which we're well on track for. But in the 15, 20 years, I think we can cover all sizes of aircraft. What other obstacles are there to rolling this out? Is there demand yet from aircraft manufacturers or from airline operators? Are there regulatory barriers? Are there financial barriers? Are people willing to invest in this at this kind of relatively early stage? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think if I have to prioritize all the challenges and barriers, I think regulatory barrier is the, is the biggest one. Because we, by now, we have shown that there is a great interest and demands from the flying public, from the airlines, and most recently also shown that there is a huge demand from the uh, aircraft manufacturers and the airports, right? So the company, Zeravia, was able to energize this whole ecosystem around us. And we got uh, over 
1,500 engines on pre-order now from American Airlines, United, British Airways, Alaska Airlines, and a number of others, blue chip names and smaller airlines as well. Why do you think they are so interested in this product then? What, what, what are they getting out of it? Well, because a flying public is already demanding cleaner travel. Starting from 2018, 2019, I think it started in Sweden, right? Flight shaming movements and people started realizing how much footprints flying brings, right? So you have these all these calculators all over the place, right? And you punch in your numbers. And as soon as you plug in even one family vacation somewhere far, that that's your footprint before the year, right? So a lot of education happened that people realize now that flying is really, really intensive you know, on the energy and on the pollution. And also now people also realize that uh, more and more that carbon part is only a part of the equation, but actually the actual impact on climate from aviation is about two thirds non-carbon because we combusting fuel at high altitude. So those footprints become even larger. So flying public demands it. Uh, and then airlines themselves see that the government is starting to react to uh, people's demands and putting curbs on the on flying. Right in some countries like France, for example, Air France is already banned flying regional flights on routes where there is rail, uh, high speed rail connection. Right, and that's just the beginning. So airlines see that. You know, fast forward five, ten years, uh, you're going to have this type of regulation all over the place that really curbs your ability to grow and hurts your business. So they're now seeing the writing on the wall and uh, they want to start adopting zero emission solutions so they don't, don't get restricted, right? So it's actually a business reason for it, which is, which is great because that's how we're gonna scale it, right? There has to be business reason for it. It's not just um, for, you know, uh, feeling good, right? Because uh, uh, scale transition only happens when um, you have economic reason for it, right? And that's encouraging. There are other options for zero emissions aviation, aren't there? People talk about synthetic fuels, which can be used in kind of existing engines as well. I mean, where presumably that's your, is that your big competitor in the future? I mean, where, where, where do, do you see your product as related to those other potential options? Yeah, great question. So, um, and we've looked at all of this um, back, you know, five, four or five years ago when when I started the company, we started looking at this. Um, so uh, synthetic aviation fuels, of course, are interesting for the medium term solution where we don't have yet large engines for large airplanes. That's the only solution we can have. But it is significantly more expensive to produce that fuel than just to produce hydrogen because you have to actually produce hydrogen first and then bind it to carbon in a large chemical plant or refinery like facility and then you get liquid fuel and then you burn that fuel relatively inefficiently so back to combustion engine versus fuel cell efficiency uh, fuel cells utilize fuel more efficiently so so you need more fuel you produce it less efficiently and you need more of it right so economically it's fundamentally worse and uh, basically, you're you're just shifting your infrastructure burden upstream because you need to build a lot of these uh, processing plants in order to get the synthetic fuel. But again, for large aircraft, until we have the engines, new engines, new novel propulsion engines uh, for that large aircraft, this is the only option, right? So this is a good medium-term solution, and I 
sort of estimate between 30 and 50 years, sort of lifetime of that solution. But fundamentally, hydrogen electric approach is the best approach. So we think that's what will win over a long time. So once we have the engines of those classes in operation certified and the fleet starts turning over to those, that's where it will go. So what was the genesis of this idea? You say you mold different possible technologies to, to develop and you chose this one. I mean, what happened? Was there a eureka moment? And why aviation? Tell us something about your background and why this idea occurred to you in the first place. You know, before Zeravi, I had a company called Electric Motorworks. Uh, we were building smart charging solutions for electric cars, working since 2010 or 11 on zero emission transportation. So uh, this this whole sort of zero emission, climate change and impact of transport was already close to heart for me. Uh, and that company was acquired five years ago. And that's when I started Zeravi. So natural, uh, you know, serial entrepreneur. Uh, thing to do. And as I was thinking about what comes next, my background came in. I'm a pilot myself for the last 20 years, like non-commercially, but as a private pilot, helicopters, airplanes, I really passionate about aviation overall. My father was the uh, avionics engineer, built electronics for aircraft back in Soviet Union, actually. Um, And then I moved to the United States almost 30 years ago. uh, But uh, that sort of stuck with me, I guess, and hence uh, the, uh, the passion for aviation. I wanted from the very beginning, maybe because of my previous company experience, where we built the world's largest network of smart charging stations for electric cars, I wanted to focus on the on the big problem, right? Focus on getting the entire industry, entire aviation industry over to zero emission, not just a small segment of small aircraft with batteries, for example, or new type of vehicles uh, like VTOL. So I wanted to take commercial aviation to the new future, VTOLs are the vertical takeoff and landing drone type thing. Yeah, if you take that approach, then uh, you quickly realize that um, almost the only way to do it is through hydrogen. And the best way to do it through hydrogen is with hydrogen electric. Val Miftakov, CEO of Zero Avia, which is a member of the World Economic Forum's technology pioneer community of early to growth stage companies that are developing innovations poised to have a significant impact on business and society. Find out more on our website. Please subscribe to Radio Davos wherever you get your podcasts and please leave us a rating and a review. Check out our other podcasts, Meet the Leader, The Book Club and Agenda Dialogues. You can find them all at wef.ch slash podcasts and join the conversation on the World Economic Forum podcast club look for that on facebook this episode of radio davos was written and presented by me robin pomeroy studio production was by gareth nolan we'll be back next week but for now thanks to you for listening and goodbye